T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This is live coverage from ABC News. Here is ABC News correspondent Aaron Katursky. Secretary of State Rex Tillerson has just concluded a meeting with Russian President Vladimir Putin during a visit of his to Moscow. He is now appearing at a joint news conference with Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov. We both seek to fight without any compromise international terrorism. This issue has been raised by our presidents and the course of their telephone conversation, including their telephone conversation on April the 4th in the night when President Trump called President Putin in order to express his condolences on the terrorist attack that has taken place in St. Petersburg and the context of fighting international terrorism. We have talked about Syria, of course. We have touched upon the incident that took place after April the 4th when any endurance of Idlib in Syria chemical weapons were used. We have talked about the ensuing missile attack of the U.S. against the air base on April the 7th. We have stated our position on many occasions. Today we have said that there needs to be a very thorough investigation into this incident which has become the subject of many speculations. Russia has spoken in favor of drawing the attention of the OPCW to, to this incident, saying that the OPCW has all the necessary competences and powers to look into this incident. There's been an official letter by the Syrian government to the UN and to the OPCW with a request to dispatch as soon as possible a group of experts in order to conduct an more uh, legitimizing the accusations against Damascus. We do have some arguments, but we're not trying to oppose anyone on Anyone? We want there to be a frank investigation. We have also talked about the state of affairs and the interaction of our air space forces as well as the coalition and the U.S. and the context of the memorandum we have on preventing incidents as well as ensuring the safety of 
Как вы знаете, действие этого меморандума было российской стороной приостановлено, и сегодня президент России подтвердил нашу готовность вернуться к его изначальную цель действий военно-воздушных сил американской коалиции и а именно борьба Борьба с терроризмом в Сирии и в To facilitate this process, to push the multilateral process forward, we appreciate that apart from the Geneva process, which we are full-fledged members of, together with the American counterparts, we also have the Astana platform. At this platform, to seek a political solution to the Syrian crisis, the U.S. and Russia have been at the forefront over the recent years. Our international efforts at finding solutions, at rallying all the parties concerned, both parties to the Syrian conflict and external players bringing them together at the negotiating table under the aegis of the UN. Today we agreed to continue to work bilaterally in order to facilitate this process to push the multilateral process forward. We appreciate that apart from the Geneva process, which we are full-fledged members of together with the American counterparts, we also have the Astana platform. At this platform, the American counterparts are represented as observers. Russia and the U.S. have other opportunities to help the international community settle the conflicts in Libya, Yemen, and last but not least, try to find common approaches to break the stalemate around the Israeli-Palestinian settlement. I do hope that our ongoing contacts to that end are going to be fruitful. We also have another matter on our agenda, and that is Afghanistan. As you know, over the last two years, there have been different formats resorted to seeking to rally an external support for the Afghan settlement. One of these attempts, one of these avenues we pursue 
is going to take place on April the 14th in Moscow. A meeting has been scheduled for the so-called Moscow format, which is going to be attended by Afghanistan, its neighbors, including Central Asian republics. The American counterparts, representatives have also been invited to this meeting. We do hope that they are going to be able to participate in these meetings. We have also touched upon the Ukrainian crisis. We've got a common approach. The Minsk agreements of 2015 are to be observed and respected. We have also recalled how under the previous U.S. administration a bilateral consultation channel had been fostered between Moscow and Washington to supplement the N4 and we have felt the interest of the current administration in resuming bilateral contacts in this dimension so as to help find practical solutions to implementing the Minsk agreements to the full. We are going to welcome these efforts. We are ready for them. We have also talked about the Korean Peninsula, which is a sort of concern for all of us. Both Russia and the U.S. speak in favor of rigorous Live from Moscow, Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov saying that he and Secretary of State Rex Tillerson talked about the U.S. missile strike at a Syrian airfield and expressed the Russian preference for what he called an unbiased, frank investigation by the Organization for the Prevention of Chemical Weapons. He said the U.S. agreed. Lavrov also said President Putin agreed today to keep open a line of communication between the U.S. and Russian militaries in Syria. That line of communication had been suspended after the U.S. strike. We await remarks from Secretary of State Tillerson at this joint appearance with the Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov, listening to live coverage from ABC News. With a view to observing rigorously the agreements we have reached, we have touched upon our economic ties. We see that there is an interest among business circles on both sides to build up our cooperation, to buck the negative trend which we've been witnessing in trade and investment due to objective and subjective reasons. We, for one, have promised to support the business initiatives on both sides. We'd like these efforts to get the support of both the Russian government and the U.S. administration. There is another agreement. We have agreed to designate special envoys both from the State Department of the U.S. and the Russian Foreign Ministry. These envoys are going to have a pragmatic conversation about the irritants, so to speak, that have piled up in our relations under the Obama administration primarily. I believe that should both sides demonstrate a pragmatic approach to this avenue, then it's going to yield results and will help improve our relations as well. On the whole, I believe we all understand how difficult as the situation in our relations as well as in the world as a whole, there are many who would like to give a try at using the current communication technologies and cyberspace 
and the virtual reality. We know that there are people who abuse the opportunities presented by the modern technologies. They are trying to use these technologies to their advantage to pursue their goals, which are far from decent. But luckily, both in the US and in Russia, there are enough people who will be able to separate right from wrong and who will be guided by the fundamental interests, not just short-term interests, of both our peoples as well as the international community as a whole. In brief, this is my take out from the negotiations that have taken place despite all the issues, both objective and artificially created, we still have many prospects for cooperation. Russia is willing to cooperate with the U.S. to, to be engaged in a dialogue, not just dialogue, but also common approaches and common actions to pursue the interests of both countries. We will look forward to the U.S. reciprocating our approach, and I do hope that the many hours that we've spent with Rex Tillerson together, as well as with the President of Russia, have not been spent in vain. We understand each other better after the talks today. We do hope that these contacts will be followed up by us, as well as by our staff and by other government agencies of both the Russian government and the U.S. administration. Thank you. Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov speaking in Moscow with Secretary of State Rex Tillerson. We just came from a productive meeting, as you heard Foreign Minister Lavrov uh, mention, of about two hours with President Putin. We frankly discussed the current state of U.S.-Russia relations. I expressed the view that the current state of U.S.-Russia relations is at a low point. There is a low level of trust between our two countries. The world's two foremost nuclear powers cannot have this kind of relationship. We further discussed approaches to improving our channels of communication. We had a lengthy exchange of views regarding the situation in Syria and shared perspectives on possible ways forward. Earlier today, Foreign Minister Lavrov and I had a lengthy conversation about issues that require immediate attention and issues that require longer-term attention. We understand that Im improvement in the long-term relationship will be required if we are to make progress on issues where we have different views. We spoke extensively about Syria, and in some areas, we share a common view. Specifically, we both believe in a unified and stable Syria, and we agree we want to deny a safe haven for terrorists who want to attack both of our countries. We agree that North Korea has to be denuclearized. We agree there needs to be more senior level communication between our two countries, both at a diplomatic and military level. But there is a broad range of other issues in which we have differences. Some have global implications with long-term requirements, and others are understood to be bilateral. Over the course of the past two years, a number of reciprocal actions have been taken to demonstrate the dissatisfaction each country has with the other. We need to attempt to put an end to this steady degradation, which is doing nothing to restore the trust between our two countries 
or to make progress on the issues of the greatest importance to both of us. We have agreed to establish a working group to address smaller issues and make progress towards stabilizing the relationship so that we can then address the more serious problems. Foreign Minister Lavrov and I agreed we would consider further proposals made about the way forward in Syria, including consulting with our allies and coalition members. And we will continue discussions about how to find a solution to the Syrian conflict. We also discussed current threats posed by the North Korea's regime, the regime's ongoing development of their nuclear program, and the constructive role Russia can play in encouraging the regime in North Korea to change its course so that we can create the conditions for talks regarding the future. On Minsk, we consider the importance of the accord. Russia can make progress in implementation by de-escalating violence and taking steps to withdraw separatist armed forces and heavy weapons so that OSCE observers can fulfill their role. Until full progress is made under the Minsk Accords, the situation in Ukraine will remain an obstacle to improvement in relations between the U.S. and Russia. I thank the Foreign Minister for a productive round of discussions, and I look forward to future conversations. Thank you. Secretary of State Tillerson in Moscow with Sergei Lavrov, the Foreign Minister. Questions from assembled reporters. Good afternoon. And about in uh, Russia 24, a question to Mr. Tillerson. Over the last days from Washington, we've been hearing contradictory and aggressive statements like Mr. Trump's calling Mr. Assad an animal, as well as Mr. Spicer's saying, who compared Mr. Assad to Mr. Hitler, who said that Mr. Hitler never used the chemical weapons. Do you think the rhetoric can change, and is it helping the diplomacy or not? Thank you. Well, I think the perspective from the United States, supported by the facts that we have, uh, are conclusive. That the recent chemical weapons attack carried out in Syria was planned, and it was directed and executed by Syrian regime forces, and we're quite confident of that. Uh, this is just the latest in a series of the use of chemical weapons by the Assad regime, and notwithstanding their use in, on more than 50 occasions of chlorine bombs and cluster bombs and other types of weapons that are intended to maim uh, and kill in the most horrific ways. Uh, so I think the characterization is one that President Assad has brought upon himself. I'll have to add a couple of words. It's quite evident this is the topic with regard to which we have differences of opinion. Russia insists that there needs to be an objective investigation in 2013. The U.S. and Russia initiated the elimination of serious chemical weapons and 
record terms. We had prepared the necessary agreements at the OPCW in The Hague, as well as in the Security Council of the UN. There have been reports from the OPCW which state the progress that has been achieved in eliminating the full stock of the chemical weapons the Syrian regime had. The reports also state that the number of places where the chemical weapons were stored were under the control of extremists. So the process between Damascus and The Hague has been ongoing. There have been some difficulties, and yet we use our relations with the Syrian government to encourage them to for cooperate fully with the OPCW. And we are fully committed to finalizing this work. We're going to seek its completion. As for the investigation into the incidents, there is a fact-finding mission of, a, of the OPCW. There is also a joint mechanism for investigations set up together by the OPCW of the United Nations. We've got some questions. We wants to be answered by these mechanisms, all the accusations against the Syrian Arab Republic's government of having used the chemical weapons. All these accusations are based on the so-called remote evidence provided by some NPOs. I'm not going to point out the white casks, that helmets that have discredited themselves on many occasions they have been found to be guilty of fraud. Now as for all the evidence we've got of chemical weapons have been used in the territory under the control of the opposition. Now I can say that on many occasions both the Russian armed forces and the Syrian government have provided physical evidence including samples required to conduct an investigation to the OPCW. These were not some remote evidence. These were pieces of physical evidence. The study of these material evidence has been dragging on for quite some time. I'm not trying to level accusations at anyone, nor are we trying to exonerate anyone. We just insist that there should be an investigation into what has happened and what happened on April the 4th. And just as it happened in the past, it was timed quite interestingly with the start of a conference in Brussels. So when reports emerged on chemical weapons being used in the province of Idlib, the participants started to demand vociferously that the conference should be used to look into those accusations, even though this was a conference dedicated to the whole gamut of Syrian conflict-related issues. So we, we see that there's been so much talk about that, and that is why we believe it is necessary and sensible to have an international, unbiased and frank investigation into this incident. A group of professionals, of unbiased experts, 
has to be dispatched to the place where chemical weapons were used, as well as to the airport where, as our American partners say, was used as the starting point from which took off the planes delivering the chemical weapons. We are not convinced that this was the case, nor are we convinced by the TV images or by the statements of people who were at the airport. There were no signs that would support the statement, the allegation that chemical agents were used there at all. I'm sorry for taking so long to comment, but I would like to underline that we are 100% sure that if our colleagues at the UN, as well as the Hague, try to avoid this investigation. This will signify that they are reluctant to find out the truth, but we will insist that the truth should be found. Thank you. Thank you. Secretary Tillerson, I want to ask you about your conversations with President Putin about Syria. You've predicted that Assad will leave power through a political transition. How will you compel Assad to participate in a political transition that leads to his own ouster? Are war crimes charges on the table? And how long will the United States wait for Russia to come around? Uh, and Foreign Minister Lavrov, if I may, uh, your government and the United States government seem to be miles apart on the Syria issue, on Ukraine and, and other issues. Uh, did you feel that you cleared up any of those issues you mentioned earlier today uh, since you've had those discussions with Secretary Tillerson? Well, we did discuss at length uh, the future role for Assad, whether it be in a future political process uh, or or not. Uh, clearly, uh, our view is that the reign of the Assad family is coming to an end. And they have, again, brought this on themselves with their conduct of the war these past few years. Uh, we discussed our view that Russia, as their closest ally in the conflict, perhaps has the best means of helping Assad recognize this reality. We do think it's important that Assad's departure is done in an orderly way, an orderly way, so that certain interests and constituencies that he represents feel they have been represented at the negotiating table for a political solution. How that occurs, we leave that to the process going forward. Uh, we do not think one has to occur before the other can begin, and it will take a pace of its own. But the final outcome, in our view, does not provide for a role for the Assad, for Assad or for the Assad family in the future governance of Syria. We do not think the international community will accept that. We do not think the world will accept that. What about the war crimes charges? We discussed uh, the issue that as time goes by and more and more evidence continues to be gathered, uh, it is possible that the threshold necessary to charge uh, individuals, including Bashar al-Assad, may be achieved. As you know, this is a very high legal hurdle in order to bring such charges against an individual. So I would not suggest to you that 
all of that evidence is in place, but I think the longer time goes by, it's possible that the case will be made. And there are certainly individuals who are working to make that case. I, for one, would like to say that I do not think that Russia and the U.S. Um, at so great a distance that it cannot be bridged on many issues of the international agenda, both with regard to Syria and Ukraine. It's not impossible. In our introductory remarks with Rex Tillerson, we mentioned the agreements that are related not just to preserving, but also to intensifying the communication channels with regard to Syria and Ukraine. As for Syria and Bashar al-Assad, we have had sort of a historical background. Rex said that he's a new guy and he prefers not looking into history, but to deal with the matters of today. But the thing is, the world is built in such a fashion that if we do not take lessons from the past, we will hardly be able to achieve success in the present. And I record certain situations when groups of countries, primarily Western countries, NATO countries, were sort of fixated on eliminating this or that dictator, an authoritarian or totalitarian leader, in order to oust Slobodan Milosevic, president of ex-Yugoslavia, NATO, launched a war in 1999 and gross violation of the UN Charter as well as the Helsinki Final Act of the OSCE. The TV station was bombed, which incidentally is a military crime, however you interpret the Geneva Conventions. Residential areas were shelled. The Chinese embassy was also attacked. Civil trains and bridges were bombed. The shelling went on for three months. And then they ran out of targets that could be qualified as double dual-use facilities. There was another dictator, Saddam Hussein, who was hanged after the invasion. We know how this invasion was justified. Since that, I think Tony Blair was the only one to repent publicly, admitting that it had been a fake, all the grounds for the Iraq invasion. There was another when Muammar Gaddafi it had been said that there was no place for this dictator in his country. It was said that democracy would prevail, but we know full well what is happening in Libya right now. The Libyan statehood is all but non-existent. Our president talked about that yesterday with the Italian president. Right now we're trying to restore the Libyan statehood through the process of national reconciliation. We're trying to put an end to the situation in which this country turned into a channel of uh, human trafficking 
as your media have reported today. Incidentally, there are other examples, not so recent. The president of Sudan, Omar al-Bashir, there has been a warrant for his arrest issued by the International Criminal Court, and several days later, the Obama administration decided that in order to settle this problem, Sudan had to be split into two parts. South Sudan was established, and the Obama administration tried to help them secure Amar al-Bashir's agreement to this splitting up. President Bashir held his end of the bargain. He cooperated. Sudan was split into two parts in accordance with the Obama administration's plan. And right now, Washington, uh, and then Washington insisted that sanctions should be introduced against the country they helped create. So this fixation on trying to oust this or that dictator, an authoritarian or totalitarian leader, is well known to us, and we know how it ends. A successful ouster of a dictator is for me very hard to remember. If you have any examples, I'd be glad if you could share them with me. On Syria, as our president has stated on many occasions, we are not trying to, to put our hopes on anyone or on Bashar al-Assad or anyone else as they do in Libya right now. We want them to sit at one negotiating table. As the UN Security Council resolution states, they have all to gather together. This has to be an inclusive intra-Syrian dialogue. And as the UN Security Council resolution states, the future of Syria has to be determined by the Syrians themselves without any exemptions. The most important thing is not to eliminate a political leader from the chessboard, so to speak, but to agree on how the country is going to be built. It has to be democratic. It has to be secular, which is something the High Negotiations Committee speaks against. All ethnic and religious groups have to feel safe, have to feel represented at government agencies, and only if such a consensus is achieved, which has to be done through elaborating a new constitution, will the issues related to certain personalities be settled very efficiently without any tragic consequences either for the country or for the people. Thank you. Commissant newspaper, please. Your question. Thank you, Yelena Chernenka, Commerson newspaper. I've got a question to Secretary Tillerson. Have you talked today about the alleged interference of Russia into the American election? In what way do you think Russia's actions are different from the American actions in cyber security? 
in accordance with what the American media say. We know that the Iranian nuclear program was compromised by American-created Stuxnet virus. Right now, the U.S. is trying to prevent the North Korea from happening using the same means. And another question to both ministers. A working group has been set up. Are you talking about resuming the work of the Bilateral Presidential Commission? Do you plan to do that? Thank you. Uh, we touched only briefly on the issue of cybersecurity and in particular on the challenges that it is uh, placing on everyone in terms of a new threat, an emerging threat. But I think I do make a distinction uh, when cyber tools are used to interfere with the internal decisions among countries as to how their elections are conducted. Uh, that is one use of cyber tools. Cyber tools to disrupt uh, weapons programs, that's another use of the tools. And I make a distinction between those two. It, clearly this is an issue that has emerged in our time for which we have yet as an international community come to some conclusion around how we want to respond to that. And so there will be further discussions, and it is on the agenda, and it is in the agenda that Foreign Minister Lavrov passed to me for us to have further discussions uh, in the future. I can only confirm that we are both interested in close cooperation on fighting cybercrime. You have probably heard, we said that on many occasions. Eighteen months ago, in October 2015, we proposed to the Obama administration, given its concern about the activities of the so-called Russian hackers, they started to pursue all over the world without resorting to the legal procedures that exist between Russia and the U.S. They started to detain these hackers and prosecute them after extraditing them from third countries. Back then, we said that we were not interested in our citizens being involved in these crimes. Therefore, we suggested that a special bilateral mechanism should be created that would exchange information in real time about anyone trying to breach the international or national norms of both Russia and the U.S. The Obama administration refused. This proposal of ours, they didn't respond. But then at the end of the Obama administration in November last year, they proposed that we should meet. Certainly our relevant government agencies agreed, but at the last moment the Obama administration changed their mind because they were probably very, very interested in undermining the American-Russian relations before the arrival of new administration in power. That's why we once again confirmed this interest of ours today. This is a relevant matter, and that is why we suggested that our contacts should be resumed at the level of special envoys of the U.S. administration and the Russian president, and also contacts at the level of relevant authorities. We 
feel that this time the result of these efforts might be different, leading to the establishment of new channels of communication and cooperation. And what is your second question? The Bilateral Presidential Commission? No, we have not yet touched upon this matter. It has been buried, so to speak, but maybe it might be resuscitated. Still, we've got channels to discuss some serious issues in our bilateral relations. It might be not under this umbrella structure. No, it might be in a different format. We have designated special persons who will sit down and quite common manner to look at our grievances, to look into those and to look into how we can overcome these difficulties that exist. Thank you. <clears throat> Secretary Tillerson, did you discuss today with President Putin or Foreign Minister Lavrov sanctions or other concessions that the United States might make in exchange for a change in behavior from the Russian government? And also, uh, speaking about what you just answered previously, uh, did you present to President Putin or the Foreign Minister specific evidence the Russian government interfered in the U.S. election? And to Foreign Minister Lavrov, if an independent investigation finds the Assad government attacked his own people with chemical weapons, what will Russia do? Uh, President Putin says there's an effort to blame Assad and plant evidence. Did you present that evidence to Secretary Tillerson today? And would Russia refuse to consider to agree to any circumstance that results in the ousting of Bashar al-Assad? Uh, we discussed no change in the status of sanctions that have been in place uh, with Russia as a result of uh, certain actions taken in Ukraine, as you know. I think as to uh, the question of the interference with the election, that is fairly well established in the United States, and I think that has been spoken to uh, on the Hill as well with the Congress, and it is a serious issue. It's one that we know is uh, serious enough to attract additional sanctions. And so we are, we are mindful of, uh, of the seriousness of that particular interference in our elections, uh, and I'm sure that Russia is mindful of it as well. Well, State Secretary hasn't threatened to use new sanctions. He hasn't threatened us at all. We have had a frank discussion about the issues on our agenda. And unfortunately, we've got some difficulties with regards to the majority of those issues. Now, as for the chance that this investigation reveals the government's implication in chemical attacks, it's all a hypothetical. We do not want to speculate. We see how speculation can bring results. We see some hysterical statements from the House of Representatives, from the Senate, after the airstrike against the 
airbase, we do not want to speculate on what's really important on, on the serious matter of the use of chemical weapons and trying to exonerate anyone on the attempts at staging an attack with the use of chemical weapons. What we want is to establish the truth and full compliance with American legislation, the Russian laws, the legislation, the laws of any normal country. But the principle of innocent until proven guilty has to be respected. Today, we send an appeal to The Hague to, to conduct an unbiased, transparent investigation. But should there be attempts at dragging on this investigation, we'll have to make the necessary conclusions. Now, as for the allegations that the U.S. government has irrefutable proof that we interfered with the electoral campaign, I have to say once again that we have not seen any facts, even hints at facts. We have not seen any evidence. No one has shown us any evidence, even though we have requested on many occasions that these evidence has to be produced to us to support the allegations, the accusations we hear. We do understand that there are many people who want to undermine our relations, to pursue their internal or external political interests, but these are just games with evil ends. We want to hear concrete proof and then we'll respond accordingly. Thank you. Ria Novosti, please. Good evening. Ria Novosti Agency, Paulina Chenisova, question to both ministers. The U.S. has sent an air, a strike group with uh, an aircraft carrier, Kurt Vinson, has this issue been raised during the talks? And what are the risks this step might entail for the region? And a question for Secretary Tillerson. If this group has been sent to the Korean Peninsula, does this signify that the U.S. has some plans for military intervention in North Korea? Thank you. Uh, the Carl Vinson uh, strike group is routinely in the Pacific. Uh, ocean. It's in the Pacific theater. And its movements uh, in the Pacific uh, are made in a way that's planned by the military planners. There is no particular objective in its current course. Uh, the Vinson sails up and down the Pacific routinely. And so I would not read anything into the Carl Vinson's current locations. The only thing I can say is that, among other issues, we have discussed the situation in the Korean Peninsula as well as around it. As far as I understand, given all the nuances, we still have a common determination to resolve this issue through peaceful means to achieve the denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula through diplomatic talks. 
There are certain efforts undertaken by the participants of what used to be called the Six-Party Talks. We also have ideas of our own, just as our Chinese counterparts do. We believe that we've got to rally around the cause of finding peaceful solution to this issue. And the last question from the American side. Thank you. With CBS News. Thank you very much. Uh, Mr. Secretary, uh, before these meetings, you said you believed Russia was uh, either uh, incompetent or complicit in these chemical weapons attacks. After your extensive meeting with both Vladimir Putin and Sergei Lavrov, do you know which one that is and what concrete thing can be done to rebuild that lack of trust? Uh, and Minister Lavrov, if I could indulge you to answer in English if you would, sir. Um, President Trump has called Bashar al-Assad an animal. This is the leader your government continues to back. Can you tell us uh, how long Russia will be willing to risk the lives of its soldiers and spend its money to protect him? With respect to uh, Russia's complicity or knowledge of the chemical weapons attack, uh, we have no uh, firm information to indicate that there was. Uh, any involvement by Russian, Russian forces uh, into this attack. Uh, what we do know, and we have very firm and high confidence in our conclusions that the attack was planned, carried out by the regime forces at, at the direction of Bashar al-Assad. I can only say once again that just as and the case with the so-called Russian hackers and the chemical incidents in Syria, we would very much like to get some concrete evidence, not just words. So far, we have not seen any facts. And let me highlight once again. In Syria, we are acting at the request of the legitimate government of the country which is a member of the United Nations. This country is under no sanctions of the UN Security Council. We are acting there in order to fight terrorism. And it is in our interests to prevent Damascus from being engulfed by ISIS and the Al-Nusra Front. If you look at the facts, over the last 18 months, the coalition set up by the Obama administration did almost nothing to achieve the objective that it had stated when being established. It had not fought consistently against the Al-Nusra Front or ISIS until the Russian airspace forces were deployed in Syria. And even after this deployment of our forces, the U.S.-led coalition under the Obama administration only performed strikes against certain posts held by ISIS, and it was always sparing the Al-Nusra front, and we've got some suspicions 
We think that the Al Nasra Front is still chaperoned and spared to resort to Plan B to overthrow the Assad regime with force. We know how this is going to end because we saw similar situations in Libya and Iraq, and we do hope that the people will prevail who know how to learn from history. Now, as for who is responsible for the crimes committed in Syria, we've got to look into that. But as one American counterpart said, there will be time for everything. We've got to set priorities. And recently we've heard new priorities from Washington saying that ISIS as priority number one. And as Mr. Spicer has said, we have the resources to defeat ISIS without doing anything to the Assad regime. This is the same thing John Kerry had told me. The U.S. administration, he said, was convinced that ISIS was a more serious threat and a more important objective than the Assad regime. So I think we think along the same lines. We have to see the common threats. They are apparent. And if we are to fight ISIS, if we are to emerge victorious from this fight without ousting the regime, when ousting the regime, this is no guarantee that we are going to defeat ISIS. On the contrary, ISIS might emerge victorious if we oust the regime. So we should be guided by common sense. Thank you, not by emotion. Colleagues, this is the end of the press conference. Thank you for participating. Live Thank from you. Moscow's uh, Sergei Lavrov, the Russian foreign minister, with Secretary of State Rex Tillerson, who noted improvement in the long-term relationship between the U.S. and Russia is going to be required. He conceded relations and trust between the two countries are at a low point. Tillerson spoke of conclusive evidence. He said the U.S. has that the latest chemical weapons attack came from the Assad government uh, in Syria. Russia's foreign minister there declined to assign blame for the chemical attack and instead expressed the preference for what he called an unbiased, frank investigation by the Organization for the Prevention of Chemical Weapons. Tillerson said the U.S. position on Syria is the reign of the Assad families coming to an end. He said he told President Putin today that Russia could best help facilitate Assad's departure. The longer time goes by, Tillerson said the threshold to charge Assad with war crimes could be achieved. I'm Aaron Katursky. You're listening to live coverage from ABC News. We turn to ABC's Karen Travers at the White House. Karen Lavrov seemed to call out the U.S. preference for regime change. He certainly did. And he noted that the U.S. doesn't necessarily have a track record uh, that is all the time successful when it comes to this. I thought it was remarkable. You know, these are two diplomats. This is Tillerson's first really significant trip, his first sit down with the Russians in this position as Secretary of State. But Aaron, Sergei Lavrov has been doing this for a long time. He's been a diplomat for decades. He's worked with many U.S. Secretaries of State. I got a sense that perhaps he was throwing a bit of weight around, making it clear you're on our turf and we're going to get in some digs. 
the well, Trump administration says it has solid evidence that Syria's regime, Bashar al-Assad, did this attack last week in Syria, that chemical attack. And they went through a very detailed briefing yesterday of why they believe that. Well, the response from Russia is basically, we want an investigation. We don't buy that. Your intelligence back in 2003, ahead of the Iraq war, was not great. So let's not say that your intelligence is the final decision on this. So I think it's pretty remarkable. It was all uh, hedged in diplomatic speak, but some very big zingers uh, from Lavrov. Certainly, this relationship is not warm and fuzzy. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. And Tillerson acknowledged that at the start, saying that the current state of U.S.-Russia relations is at a low point. ABC's Karen Travers with us from the White House later on. President Trump uh, is due to speak at at a joint news conference. Uh, Tillerson, by the way, was asked about Russian meddling into the U.S. election. He said the fact that uh, it had been fairly well established, and he said it was serious enough to potentially warrant sanctions. He also responded to a question of whether the U.S. deployed similar cyber tools. Tillerson made a distinction between using cyber tools to disrupt weapons and to interfere with an election. I'm Aaron Katursky. You've been listening to live coverage from ABC News. ABC News, honored. Winner for the third straight year with the Edward R. Murrow Award for overall excellence in television and radio. ABC News, America's number one news choice. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.